0: Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres. We're here to talk to you with the Hockey Podcast Network. As
1: you all know, the Hockey Podcast Network is
0: your one-stop shop for all things
1: NHL year-round, featuring podcasts for each team based in their respective
0: local market. Subscribe today, you won't regret it.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And we are welcomed by a very special guest today. For the uh, first time, we are very happy to welcome Jeremy White to the podcast. Jeremy, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Great, thanks. We're uh, definitely very happy to have you on. You're you're definitely somebody who we wanted to have on for for quite a while now, so glad we were able to, to make it work. Thanks for giving us your time. Yeah, glad to be here. So, just to kind of start off, Jeremy, I mean, <clears throat> are you anywhere with the Sabres right now? Where are you at after, you know, the you know first week or so of free agency, the draft? What are your thoughts on the team right now?
2: Uh, I'm ready to see them play. I'm ready to see them play with, um, you know, some new players and some guys that have some legit NHL credibility that they've added to the roster. Um, I'm just ready to see them play, it's all. You know, I... I I don't think I missed them during the, the return to play stuff of the 24 teams because, you know, everybody hated them. They were so mad at them. But they've made enough good moves that, you know, interest is back. I think that's, that's the case for a lot of people. So maybe, what, January or something like that? I'm, I'm actually ready for news on when it will happen, on how it will happen, even though we're still a bit away. Uh, and I know the NHL did approve training camps for the seven teams that didn't make it. So that means that they're a little bit closer uh, whenever it does happen. So hopefully uh, soon. Yeah, I don't think there's
1: any way – I was just going to say, I don't think there's any way they'll be able to do a full season next year. I mean – No,
2: I I don't think so either. But, you know, who knows? Lots can change, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I thought you had a a pretty uh, spot-on tweet uh, recently where you talked about how normally right now at the beginning of fall – with this kind of weather, we'd also be getting used to a new Sabres season and whatever that entails. Uh, Is it a little bit disorienting to have gone, I think, like seven-plus months now uh, without Sabres hockey, and it seems like it'll be about two and a half more months at least before we get actual regular season games? Is that extra disorienting as someone who talks about pro sports
2: in Buffalo for a living every day? Maybe. I think the stat was, or the number was, that when the NHL shut down the, the length of time from the shutdown to the return in during the pandemic was longer than an off season was. So like we kind of had an off season yeah. and then there was an NHL tournament and now we're into another off season, you know, the draft happened, free agency is, happened. We're still in arbitration. So there's still like a bunch of stuff that's got to go on. And I was thinking about this today. Like, if you think the Sabres need to make more moves. Like, I, I think it was Adam Gretz who put out a piece today. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. I've just bookmarked it. Like, the Sabres should be better, but they have more work to do. And I thought, they kind of have, like, a whole offseason still left. So, why don't you just, like, package two off seasons in one, you know? Just, just pretend the next season already happened. All right, what do you need? And go out and make more moves. So, yeah, it's been a long, long time. And, uh, you know, when they come back, the fact that fans can't be there – I'm not going to say that's a good thing, but it won't draw. It won't uh, put a spotlight on just how many people aren't there because if they could have full buildings and it was 11,000, that would be ugly. So the Sabres are going to be insulated from that for a little bit of time, which, you know, might be good to kind of bring everybody back to the way that they play um, when you're not allowed to go. And it it might not be that bad of a thing.
1: Right. Uh, and, And so let's get back into the Sabres there. I mean, handful of moves were made. Uh, You know, obviously, I think it's only appropriate we maybe start with with the marquee move with bringing in Taylor Hall on the one year deal. Um, You know, I I think looking at that move, really, it's kind of was a best case scenario for the Sabres in a way, because you're not getting tied up with him with with term. And of course, somebody of his, you know, background is going to command a lot of money. Um, But what I'm curious is to hear your thoughts on, you know, just how much you feel adding a player like Taylor Hall moves the needles move the needle for the Sabres in terms of pushing them towards being a playoff contender, like a legitimate
2: one? It should move them quite a bit. I I think they still need to do stuff on the blue line, but in terms of their forwards, like this group of forwards is a good enough group to make the playoffs. I think I know that their third and fourth lines might not be great, but there are plenty of teams that are not complete that make the playoffs as, you know, as eight seed or a seven seed, or even, you know, a top three seed in their division. So the Sabres have been so far away from the postseason. We kind of get this idea that, you're, you're also, as a roster, really, really far away. And it's always just been, like, the right three moves will make them respectable and still not that good. Like, a lot of teams that make the playoffs are not that good, and it doesn't matter. Nobody gets mad at them except those teams if they have, you know, actual standards and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the whole, the whole move is big. It also it, – it, it really kind of puts down the idea that, that Buffalo's a hockey wasteland, and it's also – you know, we when we went through all the the stuff for Jack Eichel, the one of the selling points was guys are going to want to come play here, and while that hasn't necessarily worked out for wins, this is a second marquee scoring winger that was like, oh yeah, I'll just go play with that guy because he's freaking amazing, and I'll score forty maybe fifty goals here. At Taylor Hall, so you know he, he, he he's worth the price of admission. He's lived up to all the hype. He's delivered on everything except he can't just make the team himself. So. um Hall goes a long way. You know, it was it was a big move. It, more than anything, it might have gotten people interested in seeing the team again. I'm not sure that Eric Stahl was going to bring, you know, the boys to the yard, but <laughs> Taylor Hall definitely does.
0: Right. Uh, in terms of moves that could still be made, uh, like you mentioned earlier, something that's been talked about for years now, uh, not even just among fans, seemingly among Sabres general managers, uh, has been a possible Rasmus in trade, uh, which... It seems like less, less and less likely every year, but do you think that could be more pressing or more important than potentially getting a starting goalie or adding another goalie of some
2: kind? Yeah, I don't know which one's more important. I think they do need help in goal. I, I, th- I would love them to trade risk the line, and I don't know that they ever will. Um, I don't know which one's more important. They, they Last year, their goalies, Allmark was okay, and Hutton really sunk them for a good long stretch. I mean, if they have a different goaltender, then they're in the top 24. If they also have a defenseman other than Zach Bogosian, they're probably in the top 24. Like, they're really one player away from being in the return-to-play tournament. Um, So I I think both those pieces are probably necessary if they're going to make the playoffs in a regular format. And, And, you know, while we're on that, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the NHL comes back they say, like, we need the revenue. Let's have 24 teams in the tournament again because if we don't have gate revenue, we want more playoff rounds. So maybe they get in based on that. but. It's a good question. Which one you'd rank higher, goaltender or or the Ristolainen trade? I guess it depends what Ristolainen trade brings back. I am one that thinks that if he left, someone else would play instead, and that would be better. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't I don't have to get much return myself. But you know, you you would hope to get some sort of rostered player.
1: Well, in in the Hall trade, I mean, Ristolainen is the obvious name that comes up for this, but the Hall trade really force the Sabres into a corner in terms of like the, they can't be done yet. They're going to have to move bodies because you still have Olafson, Allmark, and Reinhardt who still need new deals. Um, in defense, you know, is, is the logical area, I think, where you can actually move a guy and maybe move out some cap space just because, like you had mentioned, the forwards are, are relatively set. I mean, the top six is in, you know, as good of a place as it's been in, in quite a bit. And, you know, there's 800 bottom six forwards on the team right now. Um, but do you have anybody in mind? I mean, I, I know Ristalina is the, the easy one. I don't know if that's who you would say, who you think is like, this is the guy who they should just send out the door to get the cap space and move somebody else into the lineup.
2: Well, they, you know, maybe Colin Miller. Uh, Bottrell acquired him and then Kruger didn't play him. Like there's obviously a disconnect there on some level. Maybe Jake McCabe. Um, who else is even on the team back there? That is a, a, Bogosian was a big salary. They finally got rid of way too late. Hopefully Pilot comes back. I mean, they did qualify him. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're at Dalin, Pilot, Yoki Haru, and then – Montour. Yeah, like, yeah. Montour. I forgot about Montour. Yeah. Yeah, Montour's in the mix. I mean, if you could trade Montour, I would do that too. Um, Montour, to me, seemed like a good idea as like a, a young player. But I don't think that – I'm not so sure the Sabres want to play the style that he plays. He's really good in transition. I don't think they activate their defensemen as much as people think they do. In transition, you know, like I think Darlene should be kind of cut loose a little more than he is. Um, but, you know, maybe that's part of, the, of Kruger's process to teach him some things. So, yeah, any one of those guys other than Darlene, Yoki, how are you? Pilot, I would I'd be willing to trade Pilot, but yeah. I don't know what, what kind of return you'd get for him. Any of the other guys can go there. Yeah.
1: Well, that's uh, you. And I just quickly wanted to follow up on that because you brought up a, a pretty interesting point that if you think about it, it's, it's kind of been a Dogs reoccurring theme. <laughs> all good. All good. All right. We're we're pro dog on the podcast. So it's all
2: three of them here. So, oh, nice.
1: Very nice. Um, But, but a a common theme that you've really seen, you know, with Ralph Kruger, with Phil Housley, you can even say with Bilesma, and it's you could even go as far as to say it's been something that has significantly held the Sabres back is that there seems to be a resistance to maybe fitting the system to fit the players rather than trying to force the players to fit the system. And I'm just curious, you know, like looking at that track record, I mean, it was definitely a a bit of an issue with Housley. Bilesma had his issues. Mm -hmm. Ralph. I mean, that definitely seems to be a big, a a problem early on, you know, with how many people are calling for him to really like cut Darlene loose. Um, So I'm, I'm just curious for, I guess, how much stock you put into that in terms of like the importance to, you know, the end result, I guess, between winning and losing games.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm good on Kruger because of the Hall move. Like, I want to offset whatever coaching mistakes he might make or what I don't agree with on how he plays guys. You know, like never putting Skinner with Eichel last year I think was a monstrous mistake. Like, he should have done it. Uh, It it was worth a try to see if Olsen could succeed elsewhere. Olsen still didn't score a bunch of even-strength goals. Like, he had a great year and still at even-strength. It wasn't that many. Mm -hmm. So, to have never moved that, I think, was just being stubborn. And then, like, Whatever, I, I, he, they, they don't. They lean on guys because they are experienced rather than good, which is a problem. Um, you know, here Cody Eakin's on the team and he's experienced, but are we sure that he's good? Right, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm sure he'll get a lot of minutes. Zemkis Girgensons is going to get a lot of minutes. He's got a lot of experience. Like they value experience, and I think a lot of teams have discovered that. You know, just there there are young players that can come in and make a huge difference for you. And the Sabres have kind of been resistant to that, whether it's keeping Pilot in Rochester probably longer than he should have been. He should have been here and playing, you oh, know, yeah. but he's in Rochester. So oh, yeah. um, they've done it before. They've done it with some of their other forwards too. It's, um, you know, I, I just think the Sabres have been too, uh, too married to the belief that things will eventually just work as opposed to, you know, looking at something and saying like, this definitely doesn't work. You don't just, give it more time and it just fixes itself. I think they've been slow to act on a lot of things, on firing coaches and firing GMs on making trades. They've not been uh, proactive enough. So hopefully Kevin Adams has a little bit of a different approach for that. And I don't know that he will, but you know, whether it's coach or it's a player, if something's not working, hopefully you, you can identify it quickly because you know, what year of identifying that risk of line should probably be moved somewhere else is this. Taylor Hall might be on this team if they made that trade eight years ago or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm, right. So I just think they've been slow to act. And they also, you know, they blamed the wrong players and they blame a guy like Ryan O'Reilly because of the the comments he made. They put him in the worst situations in the league and, you know, he reaped the the punishment for that and then they set him free by, by trading him. So it comes down to set him free. <laughs> yeah. Right. It comes down to knowing, who's good and who's not. And like, that has been difficult for this franchise. They, I mean, they played Carter Hutton with an, uh, with a vision problem. We've like, talked about this many times. It's not even like, it's not even meant to be like a joke, but like you have yeah. a goalie with a vision problem and your, your answer is like, well, I think you'll be okay. Like, I, I don't know how you think that's okay.
0: Yeah. We, we talked about that a lot last year. Just the fact that they actually, if you look at their underlying numbers, even though individual defensemen didn't play well, a lot of the time, they had a good defensive structure in that their expected goals against was among the lowest in the league. It was like the sixth or seventh lowest throughout the year. So theoretically, that should mean your goalie should have a, a higher than expected goal or sa- uh, save percentage. Yeah, yeah. And Hutton, after like November fifteenth, never got over nine hundred again. He was for after his hot streak to start the year for a while was at like eight seventy over like twenty starts, which yeah, and they- was good
2: in nineteen eighty one. But <laughs> right. And uh, there's one other underlying, not underlying number, one other number that I think is a candidate for regression, but in a good way, like progression, is that they were last in the league in penalty kill last year. Like they should not be last in the league in penalty kill. They just, uh, they brought back the special teams coach. So hopefully they change something. Your yeah. goalie obviously can help that. I think they, they believe Cody Eakin will help that. So, yeah.
0: I mean, they have a hundred bottom six defense or bottom six forwards. So at some point, <laughs> so one of those guys should be good at penalty killing.
2: Yeah, at some point it it hasn't needed to be major tweaks. As bad as the Sabres were in in Housley's second season, uh, like all their underlying numbers from January until he got fired were not as bad as they were. And they were atrocious. The underlying numbers were, okay, you're a little below average. And that's what always made it me like insane that they didn't make a move to fire him faster. Like, you're actually not that bad, but the coach like I just the Housley thing. I mean, just it I have trouble with it. I, I can't believe he lasted a full two seasons. Yeah, should have been gone after. Should should have yeah. gone after one.
0: Yep. Yeah, should've I know gone after a, one. You're a big uh, EPL soccer fan in general. In that in that kind of world, that would never happen. There's such oh, you, higher you, standards you, in Europe.
2: You would have made it two months into the first year. Yeah, and been like, oh, your win streak was cute, but now you suck. Like, sorry, yeah. you're out of here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely.
1: And you know what? I mean, I figure while we're on the topic of doom and gloom, we were actually talking about this and, and we were curious for your perspective because, you know, something we we've we're all all too familiar with is uh, dark moments in Sabres history. Um, you know, you've been here in, in Buffalo now for around 20 ish years, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've you know, you've been through it. You know, I, I'm just curious, you know, through this time. I mean, there's a lot there between. 99 Breer and Drury leaving, you know, the tank and, and subsequent handling of pretty much everything in the past 10 years. Is there a moment that sticks out for you as like, this is the definitive dark moment in time of Sabre's history? Jason Bothell's tenure. Really care to elaborate a little bit. What's his best move? (laughs) (laughs) Say no
2: more. All right. Is Is it, is it, he got Yoki Haru?
0: That's he, probably his
2: best move. He signed – he traded Skinner? for Skinner. But, again, like, Skinner is – Eichel makes that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skinner is the prequel to Taylor Hall saying, like, yeah, I'll go play with that guy and score a ton of goals. And then you assign Skinner and you, you have a coach that doesn't play him with the guy that got him 40 goals. Like, you, you just couldn't be any worse when it comes to asset management. And you traded O'Reilly for nothing. Yep. So maybe it was, you know, stuff above him. But he finished in last place, kept the coach got rid of the stud two-way center and then finished two years in a row, eighth from the bottom and talked about needing to play meaningful games in March. And like his tenure was, his tenure was one giant dark moment. He, you know, he mocked the fans for the idea that they might want a coaching change. Like he, 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 um, I don't know him personally. I don't have anything against him personally. A lot of this, you know, and to be talking about this, you, you have to get really after people if you think they do a, da- a bad job and I'm sure he's a wonderful person. I think I saw him walking his dog one day and I like, dogs, <laughs> I like dogs. Our dogs might be friends, but the whole tenure drove me nuts because he always talked about having some sort of plan and you don't just get to have the job and say there's a plan when it doesn't look like it. Well, I mean, Darlene was never part of your plan, right? You know, you were that bad. You got rewarded and it didn't, it, even that didn't pay off substantially. You couldn't turn his entry level deal into anything. So yeah, inaction, just sitting around and waiting longer, it, it, it drove me nuts. So I think his tenure was was the darkest point. I mean, people – I think people um, put too much at the feet of Tim Murray. Like, Tim Murray had this team with 81 points, which, I mean, right about now this team would kill for an 81-point se- uh, season. Murray made some mistakes, um, but whatever. Like, he, he went out and got good players. His, his biggest mistakes might have been, what, trading a first for Leonard because he wasn't worth that. But turns out Leonard is a good goalie. Um, so, you know, Murray made his mistakes. Murray' mistake was drafting Nylander instead of a defenseman there. And like, this, this team got sunk by eighth overall picks that have, should have come in and contributed by now, whether it's Nylander or Middlestat. And now we're on to Dylan Cousins. So maybe the third time's in charm. And if he shows up and is good behind Eichel and Stahl, well, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a nice little team there. I know they're going to probably start him on the wing, but Lane Cousins is eventually probably going to play center. And he's supposed to be great. So that'll be a good pick by Jason Bottrell. That's always one of the things about these GMs that talk about their plan, their plans. Like, well, you might pick a guy and you never actually get to see him play. Like when Tim Murray traded for Rasmus Asplund. Like, congratulations. You got fired three years before he ever showed up in North America. You know, like, you got to do things now. You got to do things now. I just think, you know, I think a lot of hockey GMs are like this. I mean, this is just my obsession with hockey GMs is that they're just so – timid they're all just so they sit around
1: it keeps the yeah, sport I'm... back honestly it really does i yeah, mean you I, I, I think the movement in other it. leagues you know that's part of what makes it so exciting like i i love that's one of the things i love about the nba taylor and i talk about this all the time that the nhl should just take all of the cues from the nba for pretty much yep. how they handle everything uh, and the
2: salary cap makes it so like anybody can trade with anybody and dollars right. in dollars out trades are not even that hard. And you can retain salary. Like there's so many avenues to do more exactly. than they ever do. And it's yeah. not
1: like it's the kind of thing that the the changes that we're talking about, aren't these like monumental huge things. It's simple things that would just open the sport up way more and breathe right. life into it. Yeah. I, right. I agree. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I, I think like this, this part of the reason this Tampa team, even though it, it, Kind of sucks to watch a divisional rival win the cup like that. It's kind of fun just because there's like ten guys in the team that I'll remember, like ten to twelve that I'll remember watch playing, remember a lot about their careers. And there's so many teams, even like Stanley Cup teams or Stanley Cup runner ups, like honestly Dallas this year, that are like three guys that I'll remember anything about really. Yeah. And that it's in in a sport where 20 guys play, it's just kind of insane. And if you look, even like 20 to 25 years ago, teams had. Even like I mean, the O two Red Wings are not really a fair example, but there's so many guys that you could be look at and be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy for this or this guy for that. And part of the reason hockey suffers is because because of this timidity of GMs. There's like two guys or three guys on every team instead of having a couple teams at least that have put together something interesting.
2: Yeah, and another team that loads up on picks and prospects and has you know three first rounders, four first rounders, and. You know, anytime you're making a trade, it, it, sometimes you're at the mercy of ownership or a player's demands. But you ever trade in one for five pieces? Like you can't find a trade with a team that got five won. You can't find it. The, the, the most famous one is the Lindros for Forsberg deal. And even that's not even a guaranteed win. Eric Lindros went to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He was great. He was great. And the Abs or Nordiques end up taking Forsberg with the pick. It wasn't even they traded Forsberg. They traded the pick in which they used that to take mm-hmm. Forsberg, and the rest of the pieces were just like guys. It was just congratulations on hitting on the sixth pick. Like it was <laughs> yeah. not so, It was not some landslide trade where GMs got scared off by. or it probably was where they got scared off by it. But it never should have been.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, while we're on kind of the topic of the NBA or the NHL kind of taking after the NBA a little bit, um, I don't know if you've seen anything over the past few days about the reverse retro jerseys that have been getting leaked. Yeah, Um,
2: I I saw the Vegas one, which looks red. Yeah, which I didn't think that one was too sharp myself. It's red and gold and black. It's fine. I mean, I saw Pittsburgh's and I saw Phillies. Yep. And And then Anaheim
1: Anaheim's doing an orange Wild Wing jersey, apparently, which will be pretty Oh, look pretty I'm going to I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna have to look that up. The Sabres, what are they going to do? they Are going to do the red butter knives, we think? Well, that's
1: what we were kind of curious. If you, you know, had your pick there, because, I mean, now that we're back to the original Royal royal and, uh, and Gold, you know, I think it'd be pretty ridiculous if they just tried to do something that was a bit of a – I don't know, facelift on like the 50th anniversary jersey or something like that. And given how much fans have been clamoring for really anything, you know, Goathead era Sabres. um, I mean, let's be honest, it was really what only this past season that they actually started to sell black and red merchandise in the store after not doing it for like 15 years. Um, So I I don't know. I mean, do you have if you had any thoughts on that
2: uh, with what you'd like to see the Sabres do? Well, I'm looking at the Anaheim one. Is it the, like their old one where Wild Wing is jumping out of the ice? That Ooh, like the
1: ice. Yeah. He's like, wow.
2: yeah. I mean, that is a cheesy <laughs> Bar League jersey. But the nice thing about it is like the, the, you know, the locks they put on all these jerseys have been like way too restrictive for way too long. It's the same thing with the NBA. Four NBA jerseys for every team. You can change it every year. And in the NHL, like the Sabres finally go to Royal Blue after what? Like eight years of their fans being like, what do you think about Royal Blue? And they could have done
1: it earlier, but couldn't because
2: of a a piping change. Right. 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 I mean, so it's not necessarily the team's fault because sometimes the manufacturers are all over this and, and the league is too. So yeah, I fully support a fourth Jersey, a retro, whatever reverse Jersey. And I hope it's the weirdest thing we've ever seen because I want it to be like, you know, what would be cool is uh, they used to have the B with the sword through it on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. That is a good primary logo. If they had a a B with a sword, like, I would sign up for that. I'd sign up for anything that actually gets away from what they currently wear. I'd be I'd I'd sign up for the bottle caps for the for the bisons. I'd settle yeah. for the fortieth anniversary buffalo script. Uh the they've got that new yellow charging buffalo with sabers written inside of it. Like put that on a crest. Oh yeah. I, I don't know if it's retro. I hope yeah. that becomes
1: a third jersey, honestly. Sure.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if that counts as retro because that that little vision or whatever, that word mark has only been around for like two years, but it's really sharp. Mm-hmm. So I'm up for anything that they do. So yeah. uh, we've talked
0: a lot about the current state of the team and the recent past and obviously the darkest moments, which is kind of negative, but getting near the end here, kind of going to a more positive thing. Is there anything that stands out in your your almost two decades here as the, the best moment uh, in in your time? Covering the Sabers,
2: um, it's probably mm, like winning game. Which which game in the game three in the Carolina series is the best? I mean, they were the best team in the league, and they were they were going to win the cup. And yeah. we all we all knew it, and then they didn't because they got hurt. So, like you know, it's one thing to win playoff series; it's another thing to, to win as you think. Like, is it? It's happening. It's our year. Everybody knows it. Everybody can see it. Carolina knew it. They couldn't keep a goaltender in the net. The Sabers were the most exciting team, the most fun team. The Western Conference was down to like the final, you know, the eight seed with a backup goalie. Like it, this is it's happening. So, somewhere in that Carolina series is probably the best that ever got. Do you think we'll ever experience happiness again? <laughs> I mean, I hope so, but what's it going to take? Yeah, Game <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> Three is actually that's a great call i think because i think game four the sabers get shut out and then game they, did. Five, they
2: lose in overtime
0: i was at game six five in carolina
2: yeah, yeah they lost in overtime and then game six they won in overtime uh and then game seven of course yeah Tough sad sad well
0: <laughs> we tried to be positive yeah
1: we got a little bit of ray of, of sunlight in there yeah say Um, so Jeremy, we, we really appreciate you, uh, taking the time to chat with us. But, uh, one last thing that we were wondering, if you wouldn't mind, uh, plugging and chatting about a little bit is the hoodie fundraiser that you're currently putting on.
2: Yeah. I'll I'll log in to see the latest numbers of how many we've sold because it's been a big surprise. Um, we're running a fundraiser through bonfire.com and there are three different, uh, hoodies at three different sites, bonfire.com slash either elite season Elite Season Colors, or Fall is Elite, and uh, the hoodies are $36, like $10 from every sale, which is all the proceeds. Goes to the uh, West New York Parent Bereavement Network. Um, October is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and we just appear to have gone over $15,000 raised. Wow. With, yeah, with uh, 1,391 hoodies sold. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. So
1: Fantastic.
2: Congratulations on that. I recommend the uh, bonfire.com slash elite season colors because they come in five different colors. You can get it, whatever. So, you know, go get a hoodie and uh, wear it around town. And we're going to be like people to drive Jeeps. If you see somebody with a hoodie, you wave to them and you're good to go. (laughs) I
1: love it. That's awesome. No, definitely. Yeah, everybody, be sure to to check that out. And Jeremy, again, thank you for your time. We appreciate, you know, not only your work and covering Buffalo sports, but also your, uh, you know, your role in the community and everything. So thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, big thank you again to Jeremy White from WGR 550 for joining us. And again, like he said, be
0: sure to go pick up a hoodie in support of a great cause. It was great having him on, though. Yeah, absolutely. Great interview. Um, but just a couple more things before we let you guys go. Uh, first, I forgot to bring something up earlier, but uh, Sabre should sign Ryan Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not 100% serious about that because really they need a starting goalie and they need Allmark to be the 1B. But, you know, that's obviously difficult. I don't want to get into that whole situation. But in my defense, Ryan Miller would be a better option than Carter Hutton. I was looking this up For earlier. sure. I think his save percentage is like 916 <laughs> over the last three years with Anaheim, which works out to be a pretty decent sample size in total. And like, Anaheim is not good? No, so. they're not putting, you know, a good team in front of him, really. Yeah uh and Hutton is like really low for the Sabres i'm if it's like 904 or 902 or something like that something not good and you all remember how bad he was last year but honestly i know they won't do this but if miller goes i don't know let's say another 2 months and no one resigns him and it seems like everyone's like eh we're good you're old Whatever. Saber should sign him to do a one-day contract to retire as a Saber in training camp.
1: Oh, you even mean
0: like that. Okay. Well, that's if they don't want to either him way. Him, or they
1: could give him sixty-five starts. My my th- <laughs> <Jesus>. My <laughs> thoughts on that are honestly kind of similar to a thing on Twitter today I saw was people saying to like try and bring back like Ryan Fitzpatrick to like back up Allen. I feel similar in the fact that it probably isn't like necessarily the best thing for the team but my heart will be happy because of it, so I'm okay with it. I mean, Miller and Fitzpatrick, like Fitzpatrick is probably a better, like would be a better option to bring in as a backup than Miller would be, Um, but I'm all about it. I love Ryan Miller. I don't think that there's a Buffalo sports fan who does not love Ryan Miller, and even though he's like 39 years old right now, um i don't care so (laughs) but you know if it comes down to it all i'm saying is like i wouldn't be mad i don't know if it'd be necessarily the thing that i would go out and do cough darcy kemper Auntie ranta cough uh but i mean i would i'm i'm down with it and but the one day contract thing i'm super in yeah
0: well are those three the basically the only goalies left really that are available
1: I mean those two aren't even available. They're under contract. They're uh but no well, other goalies... no, but I
0: mean like one of them's probably available future. One of them,
1: um God, I'm trying to even
0: think of who else would I mean no one Mike Smith signed. I don't know how many UFA goalies there. <laughs> um Mike the Smith way, should not
1: have signed. Yeah,
0: honestly, Miller's better than Mike Smith. Significantly I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get too Sabres fan about this, but like really like Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than Matt Barkley and Ryan Miller's better than Carter Hutton. See, there are parallels. Yeah, so I think this could work. The thing is, though, like they could bring in Miller today. I don't think the Dolphins are trading Fitzpatrick to the Bills. Probably are they? not. And the I Bills mean, probably aren't spending an asset on Fitzpatrick at this.
1: That's point. the thing is, you don't know what that would be, and also you don't know what Tua is going to be in Miami, which is. Ooh, I the other think. Side yeah, of it. that's
0: the other thing. I don't know if this is just a real quick aside. People are talking about them trading Fitz to the Cowboys, which I think the Cowboys do in a second because, well. I think Fitz is a little bit better than Dalton at this point. I don't think that was the case a few years ago, mm-hmm. but life is weird. I, I don't know what this this the deal is. If Dalton looks a little bit washed, even though he's quite a bit younger than Fitzpatrick. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're the Dolphins, Tua, who was incredible in college, awesome guy, had not only a gigantic, terrible, terrible injury about a year ago, uh, got hurt or banged up quite a bit in his short college career. Yep. I don't want to say he was fragile, but it's something. At least you have like an eye open about like mm, I don't know. So I think you'd want to keep a good backup around. Agreed completely.
1: I mean yeah. that was that's exactly why I would not foresee them trading him. Yeah. Um, injury uncertainty, like just it's it, there's a lot of reasons yeah. to, to not trade him, especially because like he had the Dolphins in a good spot like at this point of the season, I know. like in
0: contention for the division. I mean that's. Well, you know who tweeted about that today. Who's that? Uh, Kurt Warner tweeted about something that I didn't even connect, really. In 2004, he was the Giants' starting quarterback. Wow. And they were in a playoff spot at 5-4, and four, and as he conceded, he wasn't having as good of a season as Fitz. And they benched him and put in Eli Manning and went like... 5-11 and 11 or 6-10 yeah. and 10 or something. They didn't make the playoffs. They had a very, very bad finish. But in the long term, it worked out well. Because Eli Man... Well, it kind of worked out well. They won two Super Bowls, so it worked out it's great. super
1: worked out. Yeah, it worked out in that it's sense. super I was worked just, I was out. <laughs>
0: like Eli wasn't actually good any season until 08, and then not again until, like, 2011. Yeah, <laughs> but- I mean, that's... I feel like that's... But that's Eli. That's Eli, Yeah, baby. I don't
1: care. You won two Super Bowls. I don't give a shit. Josh yeah, Allen could be it horrible, but if you the Bills beat, win a Super Bowl, oh I'm like, God. let's go.
0: <laughs> you beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. Like, it, exactly. So it definitely worked out. I'm just saying, hopefully, for the sake of the Dolphins, that Tua is better than Eli. But honestly, no. So no, that, actually, no. super not that. Yeah, well, I mean, for, for them, but like not for, yeah, not for Hell us. Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Honestly, I hope Tua is good, but just not for them. Just like he forces his way out. That would be awesome. They, for some reason, have to take Rosen back in in some way. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess we got to start this guy. Uh, Oh,
1: boy. So you're kind of destroying me on the whole quiz game lately in that you just are coming back with them week after week since we've been back. And I have not yet. So next one, I'm going to have to quiz you. Yeah, we'll see about that
0: one, bud. You just like making me look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have a fun quiz this week. Fun. It's called Over Under. Oh. It's very simple. Love that. I say a thing, and you say if that thing is over or under 100.5. Okay? Okay. All right. So here, this is going to be pretty straightforward to start right here. Mm-hmm. Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin's rookie point total, over or under 100.5.
1: Oh, damn. Okay. So um, That
0: would have been over. Yes. Yeah. 106. Yeah. 106 points as a 20-year-old rookie and wow. 50 goals. Great, great rookie season. Pretty pretty Calder's not bad. Winner. Pretty not bad. The yeah. same season, aside mm. the point, not a question, Sidney Crosby had over 100 points and did not win the Calder. Yeah, what did he he was what did he end up putting up? Like 104. Yeah, 100, I was going to say something it was like,
1: like right below Ovechkin, right? Yeah. Like only a point or two away. Insane.
0: Yeah. Uh all right. So next, Roman Yosi career goals. Over under. Ooh. Well,
1: Roman Yosi has a bit of an offensive streak in him. Um,
0: the uh, recently named uh Norris trophy winner, how many years has he been in the 100? You said 100.5? This is it, that'll be the, the number the entire time. Yeah, I'm wondering how many years he's been in the league because I mean, if you
1: uh, I'm gonna go under wrong, really? I should have, I should have went over. So hey, you're you're what a random
0: you're one for two right now. Damn it, all right, let's go. All do right. It. Daniel Breer's career high in points, career season high in points. Under. That's correct. Yeah. Ninety-five with the Buffalo, Buffalo Sabres. Sabres. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I. I you know, he might have got. Don't come at me with Philadelphia, but with didn't. Danny Breer's this point is actually, totals, it's actually his highest by far. mm Hmm. Um. So you're uh, two for three. Cool. Andrew Peters' median <laughs> season penalty minutes. <laughs> oh my God! So he played six seasons. Gotta be over. Gotta be over. Ooh. Wrong. Under. Really? It's 100. So he played oh. s- six seasons and two of them were 100 exactly. That's some bullshit. So you're two for four. Um. 100. Another Sabres legend here. Michael Neuwirth career wins. Career wins? Yes. Michael Neuwirth played a good while. Uh, only briefly for the Sabres. I'd say parts of two seasons. Played for the Flyers. I'm gonna say he didn't play enough to to get to a hundred. Incorrect. He really how many five? What
1: the hell? Yeah. All right. Well, at least that's like a close one. I get wow. Yeah. This is so not good. This is might be my worst five. quiz.
0: Oh. All right. Here's a fun one. Okay. Jonathan Chichu goals outside of the O five O six season. That's messed up. For those who don't know, Chichu scored fifty six goals to lead the league in O five O six. Outside of that season. Yeah.
1: Under, no, it's gonna be over. It's gonna be oh, over. It's I gonna know. be you over. You already
0: said under. Uh, oh, it's I keep over thinking itself. that you're trying to trick me. I keep well, f- I think this is an interesting stat: uh, fifty-six goals in one season, one hundred nine goals the rest of your career. That's tough. Two for six. I thought it was a trick question, everybody. This is embarrassing.
1: This is definitely my worst. Usually, I'm at least like minimum, like
0: sixty percent and up. Okay. Well, this next one's related to that. Uh. One. Joe Thornton assist in his Hart Trophy year. Oh, definitely over. Or, no, wait, no, 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 under. no, in the, and the sorry, Hart Trophy under. year? Yeah, under. Wait, 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 no, I, I... You said over, you answered. You need to let me talk through my process. All right, I'll let you talk uh, through from now on, but I did, I... <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta not say it so confidently. My head is in my like hands, an answer, folks. <laughs> it sounded like an answer. Oh, my God. I don't know what to tell you, man. God, it was 96 Taylor. assists he had, which is the most of the, uh, the cap era. Hard Trophy and you're two for seven alright here's a fun one you're gonna love this one Ted Nolan wins as coach of the Sabres Uh, Ted Nolan coach of Sabres for three plus seasons almost four seasons
1: oh man this is this uh... I'm thinking before I speak now uh it's, it's good practice <laughs> probably a good rule of thumb for life yeah yeah uh, um, it was over three because he was here for wasn't he here for two full seasons in the 90s yes plus like one and a half here like yeah, three in, plus okay okay nearly okay. four so it was two full back then
0: and then the full tank season and part of the year prior most of the year prior i should say he got hired in november
1: Um, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. Is it wrong again?
0: <laughs> You're wrong again. That's incredible. Five in a row. How many, What was it? Hundred and thirteen. This? this is
1: ridiculous. How many wins did those teams have with the Sabers? Because well, I thought that they wouldn't. They
0: weren't like winning. Well, the President's Trophy. I mean, they're not... No, but here's the thing. So you you had roughly, I think, 21 or so wins the tank year. Then they had most of their wins under him the year before. So you got to say that's... In the range of, I'd say, 30 to 7 to 40. I haven't looked this up. So then one of the years, they won the division. So you got to figure they won around 40. And then that only gives you, like, 20... Early low 20s for the other season where they missed the playoffs. (sighs)
1: So
0: it was more than that, obviously. Um... I
1: gotta stop thinking that these are, like, trick questions. I, yeah, I, these
0: are not trick questions. They're just all close to one. Yeah, no, I, I, I just... All right. I'm getting in my own head. You have a chance to salvage a little bit I'm of... I'm
1: embarrassed, everybody.
0: All right. Ugh. Oh. Rob Ray's career points in 900 games. In 900 games? Yep. Yeah.
1: Um... I'll go over.
0: It's under, isn't it? It's under. It's under. <laughs> it's under. It's under. It is, yeah. It's under. It's 91. <laughs> I'm sorry. it's two for nine. All right. Let's not end on a bad note here with this last question. All right. This is... I hate this quiz. I'm sorry. You would think a guy who played 900 I'm games... i straight and up played up for not like, having
1: a good time right now.
0: Played for like 13, 14 seasons. To be fair, as soon as that came bucks. out of my...
1: Well, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, it's, that's wrong. Like, I, I yeah. knew as soon
0: as I said it. All right. Another Sabres one. This was pretty Sabres Jesus heavy, Christ. as we are Sabres podcast. Uh, Sabres, uh former, I think, we, I think Calder Trophy winner, uh, Tom Barrasso. And Vesna winner, mm-hmm. correct? I think the youngest Vesna winner. Yep. Career ties slash overtime losses. Now, that's counted the same way in um, hockey reference. Now, I'm going to give you a very important piece of context here, since I'm such a nice guy. For the vast majority of his career, not vast majority, I should say, but a good portion of his career, there was no such thing as an overtime loss it was designated as a regular loss. So is this like you're giving me this so that I say under and then
1: it's actually over because you're just no, trying to fuck no, with me? No, I'm or not like... trying. To, I'm
0: trying to give you some context. It does, I think this would appear to be, if you were a goalie right now, or a goalie especially in the tie-slash-overtime-loss era, that you would have a ton of them. Uh, but that wasn't his entire career, I should say. Uh, don't read into it. Just don't— uh, you're, I'm not... First of all, never play the quiz master. Always just play the quiz. Um, I know. Well, I, Clearly, I know this now. I, oh, man. This is embarrassing. Second important thing here. Anything I'm saying is just context. So use the context as you will. All
1: right. I want to just say something right now. <laughs> if, if we have any first-time listeners on this episode, by chance, go back through our other episodes. <laughs> we definitely do. I usually am killing it on these quizzes. I'm normally... Really, this is easily in the the time that we have been not even just doing this show podcast our, our podcast in general this is my worst showing yes of a quiz that i've had to date and it is i'm not happy about it and i mean with that I, i'll go under i guess you are correct wow hey! amazing good job amazing um yeah, he you know what? I'll say eighty-six bat, batting three hundred in the MLB. That's a hell of a career. So
0: that's true. But three hundred on base percentage to get you sent down, buddy. Barasso had eighty-six ties and overtime losses in his career. You've had me overthinking. I had you overthinking. I thought this was a pretty fun, you know, take on a quiz. See, you know, the thing is, a lot mm-hmm. of quizzes in the past. Um, they weren't like right or wrong answer. It's like, hey, name the Sabres lineup. So you get to get a, a bunch of wrong answers. But they don't that's sing. not true. You get to. Yeah, but that you see now, you're made, all made right. You get it's to if you want to. I think I'm that
1: this is a coordinated w- effort by you to make me look bad because <laughs> I've been doing so him? well wait, 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 with wait, the wait. deep state, Taylor. <laughs> oh, okay. It's you and Joe Rogan are
0: coordinating Joe Rogan with the deep state. our. Wow. He's gonna be very disappointed. To hear reptilian you overlords. And he would never coordinate with them right he the whole reason he he hasn't been on the show is he's celebrating he read that article about you know the CIA being demoralized and he's like freaking out and he's like, what are they gonna do next're gonna go after the podcasters and he's thinking first they came for the podcasters and I said nothing and then they came uh, for me and there was no one to read out well that's the thing get. he's
1: keeping it low key so that nobody will know that you guys are a part of this coordinated effort to undermine me and my quizzing abilities my quiz taking abilities
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that it alright Taylor quiz for you name every one of Evgeny Malkin's cousins go
0: well first of all you gotta start off with uh, Vysachilov first name yes last name Malkin They're all, all their last names are Malkin his parents Ooh, last names question. are both Malkin Really? Yeah. So all of his cousins are named Malkin, and all of all of his like aunts and uncles, all their last names are Malkin too. Really? No matter what? He came from he comes from the Malkin region. The. M- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Let's get. We're spiraling out of control yeah.
1: now. This needs to stop. It okay. started so well. It did. It was. He had it a was,
0: professional guest. It
1: was great. Yeah. It was enjoyable to say the least. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you all so well, much for tuning in
0: to uh, this glimpse of how Brandon deals with uh, failure. I'm. <laughs>
1: unraveling right now, guys. I'm so sorry, everybody. Oh, that was a rough one. Well, anyways, though, hey, thank you all again for uh, tuning in. Be sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and all of our fellow podcasts on the network. Again, there are uh, 31 teams, 31 shows. Be sure to check out each of the other markets. And For any of you who are looking for your bills fixed, be sure to check out our other presenter, Buffalo Fanatics. Um, Obviously coming off of a rough loss against Kansas City last week, but Thankfully, we're playing the Jets this week, That's so right. things,
0: I think, are going to get better. Yeah, and if you find yourself wondering what's wrong with the defense, what's going on, these guys have the answer. But Buffalo Fanatics, there's like mm-hmm. almost a half dozen different podcasts on the Bills. Someone will have the answer for you. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. So be sure to check them
1: out on Twitter, on their websites, uh, between the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. But uh, Taylor, any, any last thoughts? Uh, no. Okay, good, well, let's get to the, uh... let's, our random sabers player of the episode, which we are going to share with you all now in three, two, one, Tom Barrasso.